podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome one, welcome all. And yes, I want you to listen to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins, going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and as, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I am your host, Danny Mitz. Today, we are recapping the fantastic game for the Kansas Jayhawks against the Texas Southern Tigers. And we are then previewing the game against Creighton that is coming up. You are guys going to be hearing this the morning of, most likely. Uh, it's going to be a nice short little bonus episode for you guys so we can talk about that. I didn't want to wait until Monday to talk about the entire weekend. Instead, let's go ahead and enjoy this. So coming back to the podcast to help me do all of that, to recap and look ahead, is guy that's on site here, Brandon Dorzinski. He is the host of the afternoon show. Uh, it's 580 Sports Talk over on WIBWFM over in Topeka. And, of course, one of our analysts here at, Bl- at Blue Wings Rising. Brandon, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Uh, you know, I had uh, my, my favorite NFL team had some rough news on Thursday, but it was made up for by KU absolutely mopping the floor with Texas Southern. So we're all good. We're, we're all good vibes here uh, and feeling pretty good going into the weekend, too. I know Creighton's a, a great. I'm feeling good. The, the, the emotional high is still going here in Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, what's really important this time of year is is college basketball. So look, I'm sorry, but you'll get over the NFL stuff. It's really all about college basketball right now. So um, obviously, this game was absolutely fantastic. Kansas winning 83 to 56 against Texas Southern. Um, I mean, we could sit here and talk, you know, and sing the praises of a lot of the different guys that were here. But I mean, I, I want to get from you first. What do you think was the biggest thing to come out of this game like what was your your best takeaway or the biggest storyline you think is going to be either reassuring the Kansas fans or help them kind of get into context what's going to happen the rest of the tournament I think the the biggest thing to come out of this to me and using the context too of the comments I made going into Thursday's game as well it's probably the continued hot stretch for Remy Martin and the fact that he was just unbelievable and I I know the level of the competition is not exactly playing you know big 12 competition when you take on Texas Southern but Remy just looked so smooth he was playing with such an incredible level of confidence and the reason I mentioned you know the context of the other day as I said I would love to see some of the the big names Ochai for the number one example come out and have a big game against Texas Southern and Och really didn't I mean he scored 11 points he obviously attracted defensive attention but he was hardly the superstar of the game. I mean, if you were giving out like it was hockey, three stars for the game, he wouldn't have made the cut for this one. And yet KU still set a record for lead at halftime of an NCAA tournament game in program history. They'd never won or led at half by 28 points in an NCAA tournament game before. Well, they did that on Thursday night and they didn't even need their best player to to go off. You know, Jalen Wilson was, was good, but he wasn't great. Christian Brown, I thought was pretty good, but it was far from his best game. 
And I talked going in, you know, David McCormick was going to have to battle against the big men for Texas Southern. Their big men were completely useless in the game one, because I don't really think Johnny Jones had a plan. I mean, I think his offensive plan was just throw the ball at the rim and hope for the best. That's at least what it seemed like. And I said it three minutes into the game, you know, KU had three turnovers in the first four minutes. And almost all of them, except one, were met with Texas Southern just heaving the ball at the basket and praying that it was going to go in. And I leaned to the guy next to me on media row, and I said, yeah, this game's over. Like, Southern's clearly not running a real offense here. They're just praying and hoping and wishing that this game's already over. It's not even going to be close. And it wasn't close. He held them to 19 points in the first half of this one. So I guess it was Remy, the biggest takeaway, because he continued this hot streak that has now corresponded to three double-digit wins in postseason play. The other win over a really good Texas Tech team by nine points, and KU was in control for the duration of the second half of that one. I mean, he's been a, a revelation, a godsend, whatever word you want to use. And on a day when KU really didn't get or, frankly, need big contributions from the usual suspects, he was number one. He was fantastic yet again. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely one of those things. It was very good to see them continuing that momentum that they got from the Big 12 in terms of the guys from the bench, you know, the guys that are at some point are going to have to come up for big plays. Yes, it would have been nice to see Ochai like get going in this game and get back to his usual form. But like Christian Brown, I thought played really well in this game. Uh, you know, he was four or five from three, which is kind of what you want to see from him, because that's what his role going to be is is kind of more three point scoring um, than really trying to drive to the bucket. Um, yes, the, it was, it was definitely rough at times, but you got Duan Harris scoring a bunch. He had 12 points. Um, you know, again, he was, he was perfect from three point range to a two. Um, so like, I think this was more about doing things and making sure I, I, I treated this a lot like the West Virginia game in the big 12 tournament, right? It was go in, try to rest your starters as much as possible. Make sure nobody gets hurt and just make sure that you win convincingly. And they did all of that. Yes. I would have liked to see a like, you know, do more. But what I think you saw from him is even though he was having a bad game and it was, you know, at the point where they could have shut everyone down and just said, okay, guys, you know, bench guys, go do it. I mean, they did try to do that a little bit and it didn't necessarily work very well, but Abaji was already kind of chomping at the bit to get back in to actually try to get to double digits before, you know, the bench guys that came in were struggling and self kind of had to put them back in because, you know, uh, Texas Southern, I believe they could, they cut the lead from like 31 points down to like 21 points with still like eight minutes left to go. And Kansas was struggling, <laughs> which is not something you usually say against Texas Southern, but you know, it showed kind of the rust of some of these guys that don't really get very much opportunity to play. And so the fact that Abaji was ready to come back in, that they started mixing the starters back in and it immediately righted the ship. They didn't need to put the entire starting lineup back in. They just needed to sprinkle Abaji in here and there, Brown here in here and there, McCormick for a minute or two. Um, like, I think that was what was most, you know, like the, the best thing to me is that you got a bunch of guys that don't typically get to see a bunch of playing time, a decent amount of playing time in this game. Um, and you were still able to win by gosh, I just had it up. It's like 27 points or something like that. I mean, it was a ridiculous, a ridiculously large amount, which is what we all expected going into the game, but you did it without any of your main guys that we usually think of as your options for scoring really going off in this game. They, they eventually accumulated the stats, but it's not like all of them were on and ready to score, you know, 25 points in this game. Yeah. And that's encouraging to a degree, as much as I was hopes one that you saw everybody be able to contribute something without needing anybody to have an unbelievable game. Because even Remy, I mean, 15.6 of eight shooting for assists, it was a really good game, but I, 
think he probably has better in him as well. He got all that down. And I believe it was just 21, maybe 22 minutes for the game. So you've got a big team win without needing anybody to go completely crazy. So to me, you just have to be encouraged by it. And against Creighton, things will be more difficult. They're a better team, obviously, than Texas Southern, and they're going to present their own challenges defensively, although those challenges have been severely mitigated by their injury problems, which I know we'll get to here in just a moment. You just try to build on that. And yeah, I mean, the bench was bad in the few minutes they got. So you, you throw back in the starters. You know, Jesse Newell over at the star, he had the stat a while back that, you know, some ridiculous number of recent champions haven't even finished in the top 200 minutes or top 200 in terms of bench minutes going into the postseason. It doesn't really matter. Like if Zach Clements and you know, Jalen Coleman lands and that lineup doesn't play particularly well when the game's decided by 30 points already with eight minutes to go, really not going to get that upset about it. So good team win. No one even had to go off to get there. And I think that right there lends itself to a little bit more encouragement of what this team can do. Everyone firing on full, full cylinders, every cylinder, even if no one gets the the podium game, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, and, and kind of to that point, like when you get into the later rounds of the tournament, those bench guys may need to come in for like a series, like a couple plays. And, and you need something positive out of them for a couple plays, or they need to, you know, like you, it's kind of a, in, in emerge, you know, in, in case of emergency break glass type of situation with a guy getting into foul trouble, like there is no expectation for them to be significant contributors down the stretch. Um, it's more of a, so like, yeah, it's not going to be a big deal. If, if you get to a point where, you know, a guy like Zach Clements needs to come in and hit a shot for Kansas to win a title. Um, that means either something went incredibly wrong <laughs> that he's the guy that has to come in and do it, um, you know, or it's literally just a fact that's that. Uh, well, I don't know. It's some weird circumstance where he just happens to be the guy to do it because someone's in foul trouble or something like that. Like, you're right. There is no expectation that those guys needed to have good games to feel good about what Kansas is doing. It was just really a bonus. But, you know, given what we've seen from this team and how they've struggled at times with different uh, like different configurations or different things that teams do. It would have been nice to have some of those guys play a little bit better, but like you said, I'm not that worried about it. So let, let's go ahead and look ahead to the Creighton game. Um, you you kind of mentioned about injuries, you know, being potentially a problem uh, for Creighton. They did have a, a rather, I didn't really think too much of it when I saw it happen live. It looked like he just hit his knee on the ground, but uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner, uh, last I heard, it's they made it sound like he might have broken his kneecap or dislocated his kneecap severely or something like that. It was definitely a knee issue, and the fact that he'd be back supposedly in two to three months made me think it's definitely not an ACL or anything like that. It definitely looked like a contact injury. I don't really know what it is. Honestly, it's not a big deal for us Kansas fans because you know we're we're really worried about this particular game. The main takeaway is that they will not have Ryan Kalkbrenner available for this game. He is their their seven one. Uh, I think he's a center, uh, but like he is the main guy on the inside that we were expecting to challenge David McCormick in this particular game. They will be without him. How does that change the way you think about this game? And how do you think it changes the way that Kansas prepares for the game? Well, I think in terms of preparation, and I say this because I heard Bill Self say it just a little bit uh, ago this past Friday, is that they're going to prepare for what Creighton normally does. And I understand the logic here too. And Self said, look, We don't know what they are going to do if they try to do something else. So let's prepare for the actions. Let's prepare for the offense and the defense that we know they run. And whatever they adjust to, we will adjust to. And and even use the adage that 
you want them to adjust to you more than you will adjust to them. Now, obviously, Creighton is going to do more adjusting because they lost their 7-1 center. And Greg McDermott even said it on Friday, too. We built our entire defense around that guy, and understandably so. I mean, he's phenomenal. And like you mentioned, 7-1, he's just a sophomore, plays as the man in the middle, 13.1 points a game, second on the team, 7.7 rebounds per game, second on the team. Both those numbers just behind Ryan Hawkins and the best defender they have protecting the rim. So obviously they're going to have to do something different. I mean, there's no way you can replace something like that. Now, how they're actually going to do that, it's hard to say. And you would imagine you can't just throw a 6'9 post in there and ask him to do the same things that someone four inches and just generally more talented, uh, four inches bigger and more talented than he is do. So I don't know exactly how Creighton's going to adjust to that. For KU, essentially in this one, it comes down to just run your own stuff. And I think you're going to be okay in this game. Creighton had an uncharacteristically high number of turnovers in their game against San Diego State. They really don't turn it over that much over the course of the year. They did a lot against San Diego State. If I'm KU, I'm feeling like a shark with blood in the water in that situation. You try to do some of that same stuff to turn them over because we know, and it's been the case all season long, you get the other team to turn the ball over. KU gets out and run. Generally speaking, it turns into points for KU, especially with how well Remy Martin is playing now running that break. I believe the numbers in the game against Texas Southern, 16 turnovers for the Tigers, 23 fast break points for KU. I mean, right there, that's a number that is more often than not going to win KU a game. Now, could Creighton try to go vintage Creighton and just start launching the ball from all over the court and knock down a bunch of threes? Sure, it could. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, that's why we call it. I mean, they could try. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they they could go for it. Maybe it works. It probably won't. That's really not what they're built for this year. (laughs) But other than that, I feel like if you're Creighton, you probably have to try to run most of the same stuff too. I mean, how do you, you can't completely change your team on a dime in under 48 hours. Hell, it's closer to 36 hours considering they finished up after nine o'clock on Thursday night and they're playing at 140 on Sunday or Saturday afternoon, you've got 36 hours ish to turn that around and actually get ready for the game. So to me, I think, Hey, you run your same stuff, make Creighton adjust to you. I'll follow that same adage that Bill self used, put them in a bind. They knew what they were going to do against KU. If they had Kalkbrenner in there, we'll make them confused, make them have to adjust to you, follow what you're doing, dictate the pace of the game. I think KU should be able to handle this pretty easily. It's also kind of one of those things like you can definitely look more at what they would have done when he's not on the floor because he only plays 75% of the minute. So there's definitely times where he's not on the floor. So like what does Creighton try to do in those minutes? But you're right. Like there's no way that they can completely change everything that they're doing. There's no way that they can throw out a ton of new wrinkles and you're going to get an idea of what they would like to do. You know, when you look at that kind of film, you're already probably preparing for it. You know, there's already kind of, you know, what, what happens if he gets in foul trouble? Like what happens when all of these contingencies, I'm sure that Bill Self has already planned for those. Now you just, you know, kind of brush those off as a, Hey, this is probably going to feature a little bit more prominently. It's not going to completely change the game plan, but they're probably going to shade more towards that. And I fully expected, you know, a, a, or a, a coaching staff that's as good as Bill Self and his staff, they were going to be prepared for those types of situations anyway. So now you just lean on that additional scouting you know, and that additional game planning that you would have done to make sure that you're not caught by surprise. But you're right. Like if they're going to make significant changes, it's going to require them to, you know, do things that you probably don't have film for. And you already know, like good coaches already have to adjust in game to what they're seeing. So it's not like the fact that they can't game plan for it is going to be a big deal. Kansas is the much more talented team. 
Um, they should be able to win this one going away. The real question, like looking at what you were talking about, you know, could they theoretically jack up threes and make a whole bunch? I mean, probably not considering they only make 30.3 on the year in terms of their percentage of three pointers. Uh, you know, that's good for only 318th in the nation. So, I mean, they're one of the worst three point shooting teams in the nation. Um, you know, I do not expect that to get magically better. Um, you know, so like, I, I guess I'm not really that worried. Kind of like you, I do. At that point, I guess really it's just the only thing left to ask then is what are you looking for from Kansas in this game? Um, because yes, we know that they play much better when, when they speed everyone up. And of course, Creighton does not look like a team that's, you know, very good at being rushed. So like you can turn the, get them into a bunch of turnovers and stuff. But I think the expectation is Kansas should win this one going away. So if you are a Kansas fan looking for something from this game, what are you looking for? Cause I mean, I, I don't think there's a di- really a big difference in terms of a, you know, getting a big blowout win or, you know, getting a, a mild blowout win. Um, but but what would you think Kansas needs to do to use this game to prepare for what's coming up next week? Well, I think that the the big thing you have to do here in terms of this game in particular, and this should be as obvious as can be considering the other team is missing a seven foot one center. David McCormick and Jalen Wilson should both have double doubles in this game. I mean, statistically, that is how this final box score should look. I mean, McCormick should have much less competition. I mean, we already know how good he is at offensive rebound. One of the best offensive rebounders in the country this season, he should be able to dominate in that regard. Almost every single KU miss, there should be a chance or successfully David McCormick should get that offensive rebound. I think Jalen Wilson's going to have a big day as well. I mean, like I said earlier, and like Greg McDermott said on Friday, this changes everything for the way that Creighton defends. It's going to open up more lanes driving to the basket. You love Jalen Wilson's athleticism in that kind of situation. I think McCormick is set up for another big game since he didn't have to exert 110% energy in the game against Texas Southern. So for this game in particular, the thing that stands out to me is the big guy should feast. When Mitch Lightfoot is out there and it sounds like he's feeling good and he's all good to go and shouldn't have any restrictions coming up in the game on Saturday. Those guys should have absolutely phenomenal nights. I think that's the captain obvious answer for that. If you're looking ahead though, and what can you do in this game to better you for what could potentially be awaiting you in the sweet 16, maybe the elite eight, if KU is able to win a game next weekend as well, the thing that stands out to me don't turn the ball over. I mean, that that's such a, a no-duh thing. And yeah, don't ever turn the ball over a ton. They actually did turn it over. I believe the number was 14 times against Texas Southern. And granted, a lot of that was due to the essentially eight minutes of garbage time at the end of the game. Almost an entire half of a half was garbage time in that game in the first round. But don't give the ball away. You know, you look at a team like Providence that might be able to get to the Sweet 16 to take on KU. One of the luckiest teams ever that Ken Palm has ever charted. Don't give them opportunities. You know, just don't give away those sort of possessions because we're at a point with KU. KU is the best team in the Midwest region, I think, by far. Now, Auburn's good. Auburn can be had, especially because their guard play is very mediocre. I think Wisconsin can be had. We talked about them on the podcast Thursday morning about how, yeah, they've got a National Player of the Year candidate. They don't turn it over. Kind of unremarkable outside of that. I mean, KU is the best team left in this bracket. So don't make the foolish mistakes. We're essentially in don't beat yourself territory. Now, the thing about that is there are several examples from the course of this season where KU did beat itself. You know, the game that comes to my mind is the game in Austin against Texas. KU should have won that game going away as well, but they shot themselves in the foot at the end of the first half and especially at the end of the second half 
threw that game away. So you're in a position now where if you're KU, you run your stuff, you can accomplish pretty much whatever you want that's set out in front of you, at least through the Midwest regional, you cannot beat yourself. That's the number one thing. And that's kind of a dumbing it down sort of analysis, I think. And sometimes it even annoys me when players or fans are like, well, we didn't lose, you know, they didn't win. We just beat ourselves. That can get kind of annoying sometimes, I think, when people say that. But I really do think it's true in this situation. And this is a great start against a Creighton team that should struggle offensively against you, considering how well KU has defended recently. Don't give them mistakes to take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, you're right in that I think that that phrase gets overused quite a bit where you don't want to give credit to your opponent. You just want to talk about what you did wrong. Um, But it's absolutely the case here. If Kansas does not win this game or if Kansas looks bad in this game because of the challenges related to injuries, like it's, it's really hard to think how Creighton could be the one to cause Kansas to have problems. And you're right that Kansas is, I mean, Kansas had plenty of moments this year where everything's going great. And then all of a sudden nothing changes on the defensive end from the other team, but Kansas just literally stops making shots. And so it's literally a case of them shooting themselves in the foot or just, you know, beating themselves at that point. And so um, it's it's weird because normally you're right. It sounds like people are making excuses, but we have multiple examples of Kansas actually doing that this year. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that really is what it comes down to. Just make sure that you don't give Creighton an opportunity to take advantage of your mistakes by just not making all of those mistakes back to back to back. Um, and you should be absolutely fine in this game. I think the last I saw the spread was like 11 points, which I honestly, knowing that Kalkbrenner's out, that feels really low to me, but it also is kind of one of those like tournament lines are usually pretty crazy just because they're tournament lines and everyone knows that crazy stuff happens. So it'll be interesting to see how this game goes out, um, you know, how Kansas is able to kind of finish this weekend. But I, like you, fully expect Kansas to get a comfortable win in this game and to be moving on and we'll be looking at who Kansas gets to play uh, coming up next week. So, um, all right. Any other final thoughts you want to leave us with Brendan before we get out of here? Yeah. Just a, a note on the point spread you just mentioned. I saw it after the game ended on Thursday night. It's like 2 AM. I was just looking out of curiosity. It was 10 for KU at that point by morning on Friday, it was 11 and a half points. And I've heard some people have seen it at 12 in various places. I mean, the, the Sharps, the Vegas folks, the betters think KU is going to cruise in this game. And without Kalkbrenner for Creighton, I really have a hard time blaming them. I think KU wins comfortably. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if we get to like tip off of the game and it's up by like third, it's up to like 13 or 14 because I expect more money to come in. So unfortunately, we're not a betting podcast. We don't get to get into all the details of all of that, but maybe at some point we'll have one of those. But uh, all right, Brendan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you go and enjoy the game tomorrow because I, I get the feeling it's going to be a really good one. Uh, it's a super successful first weekend for the Jayhawks. Um, but also make sure that if you haven't already, please to go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcasts so you can subscribe, get every episode, including these bonus episodes when they come out. Uh, if you can give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments, would absolutely love that. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast so you guys get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to interview, anything like that, email me at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or you can contact me on Twitter at rockchalkpod. 
Uh, we are part of the Anchor platform, so you can actually go ahead and leave us that voicemail, anchor.fm slash rock-talk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get your voice on the show. Make sure you check out all of the great coverage over on the 1012 Podcast Network, of which we're a part of. There's a bunch of great podcasters doing a ton of great work, so go on Twitter at ten12network. Uh, that is 1012 Network. You can get links to all the shows. But uh, go out there. Enjoy. It's going to be so much fun. Promo code uh, CHOCK12 over at Homefield Apparel will also let you enjoy the Homefield magic that is the great, comfortable stuff that Homefield has. So um, that's 15% off your entire first order with that promo code. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between two... Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sick'em Bears. Podcast Network.